With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Saturday evening edition of Yes, the Journey to the Draft podcast. Chris McPherson joined alongside Fran Duffy. And at the end of the table, we do have Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com as he's going to help give us a recap of what took place on the field today here in Indianapolis. Yes, it was the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and the tight ends. Tony also has an expansive preview of the defensive workouts that begin on the fields tomorrow here in Indianapolis. We're going to have our pick six, the six players who Fran and I are most excited to see tomorrow. And again, tomorrow it's the D linemen, both edge and interior linemen, as well as the linebackers, so it's the front seven, our Mr. Relevant, from the Draft Network, none other than John Ledyard. Our unofficial visit will be one of the receivers who is on the field today, Jacoby Myers from NC State. And then your questions in our Draft Mailbag. Of course, if you have not already left a comment, a rating, a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to do so. We will get those questions in the show first. So, again, we have special daily editions coming here from Indy for a couple more days, but we have a jam-packed edition here for you today, so let's get right into it in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Fran and Tony, gentlemen look so serious. Tony Pauline, DraftAnalyst.com, at Tony Pauline on Twitter. Fran Duffy here sitting next to me. You guys all right? You know, it's amazing. 48 hours ago, okay. you couldn't find six empty chairs in this media center. Now, not including the three of us, you may have six people in the media center. Well, we should, we should couch that. It's not the media center. It's Radio Row. There's nobody on the other side either. I mean, over the other side. All the writers I, are over there. I did go and stick my head in there. Yeah. There's maybe a dozen people up there. Okay. All right, well. You know, there's still it's, some media. It, it starts to clear out pretty it does, much. It clears out a lot. The thing sure. is, Wednesday Fran and Thursday. being politically correct. Wednesday and Thursday, you have all the GMs and the coaches speak. And a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of the reports come out for that. They get the early part of the week uh, under their belts, and then they move on. So. We're blah, here blah, for the long blah, haul. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the, the combine's oh. not even barely half over. No. no. No one's a marathon man like you are, Tony. Come on now. So let, let's. it's a, a big day. Again, it's the the sizzle positions: quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Uh, just overall, first for you, Tony. Just uh, big picture thoughts on how the workouts were today. I, I mean, people are doing backflips over DK Metcalf, and okay. you know, while he was, uh, he's a physical specimen, which we knew, and he blew up the testing. Which we thought would happen. His position, but but, but not better than what you expected. I mean, I think people expected him to do well. But right. okay, I mean, we thought the four fours and the four threes. That's fine. Okay, you know, the position work was not all that great. Okay, and people were anointing him a top ten pick, which I think is a little bit ridiculous. All right, a little premature. Uh, you know, the Tony top, with the hot takes coming in here. This Haskins was good. Haskins was not flawless. Go so ahead. Haskins not being flawless and. Uh, Kyler Murray coming in at 5'10 and a quarter. It's amazing how Kyler Murray has not thrown a pass yet, yet people are saying he's a lock to be the first pick of the draft. Can he be the first pick of the draft? Yes. I'm not hearing he could be the first pick of the draft. I'm hearing he's a lock to be the first pick of the draft. So I I think people kind of tend to get ahead of themselves a little bit. 
Okay, Fran, big picture thoughts uh, on you know, the day. Whether I, it's not, whether also because Fran and I also we listened to uh, the front seven players met with the media, so we were in on those interviews as well. So just wherever you want to go, Fran, on on the afternoon. You know, the, I would say the biggest disappointment was I went down to go watch workouts at nine a.m. and uh, found out when I <laughs> yeah, got well. there that it started at ten a.m. for the TV, which okay. uh, I know Tony Pauline's most excited about. Could have had. Breakfast with me. I'm, That's I'm, right. I'm my dime, but uh, all right. I got a good four and a half uh, mile run in this Ooh, morning. Oh, look so at you! Cool. Subtle brag. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're getting it in here. Uh, for the for the second straight day, I didn't get a chance to uh, enjoy the workouts because uh, Eagles making moves. Jason right. Kelsey getting the one year extension. So sitting there at breakfast, and you're just kind of like, all right, I've got to get out of here to uh, wrap something up here. So uh, great seeing Jake Rosenberg at a patch in uh here in indianapolis so uh he howard roseman and the rest of the eagle staff doing a great job of getting these contracts uh extensions hammered out hopefully maybe there might be some more to come in the uh next week or so before free agency gets underway so getting back to the workouts so uh while we go down with the wide receivers you, you touched on mecca anything else you want to add to mecca's workout or just pretty much it's uh uh you know physically gifted obviously but just not refined. I guess it's what's the it, it's risk not, with him? Who was the uh, safety? Taylor Mays. Yeah. Remember how people oh, were going oh. absolutely crazy over Taylor Mays? He yeah, ran in the course. Four, you know, he's a Of course. Uh, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't that. It's in that sort of spirit, in yeah. sort of that realm. Interesting. I, I mean. Which means Eagles fans are going to love him. Well, Eagles fans were dying for Taylor well, Mays. For, I mean, Metcalf was solid catching the ball. But you could tell he's not a good route runner. He was off balance coming out of his routes. He was double catching a lot of throws. He did drop a couple of throws. Even the guys in the NFL Network were uh, Kurt Warner was mentioning it, okay. and uh, Steve Smith was also mentioning mm-hmm. it. Uh, but I, don't, I, I think you, you know, while you have to praise the the testing workouts, you have to look past it and really break down the position work. Yep. And there were receivers on the field today that were much better receivers than DK Metcalf. Maybe they weren't as good athletes as DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. but they were better receivers out there today. So before I ask you who those guys were that you know stood out in the position workout, I think that it's almost a look to. I think this today's workout really is a microcosm of what I've been saying about DK Metcalf really over the last you know six to eight months. In that, look, he has got all the tools you look for. He has got rare size for the position, ridiculous frame. Uh, outstanding length. I mean, six three and three eighths, which is 90th percentile and above. 228 pounds, outstanding. He was listed 240, but came in at 228. 34 and seven eighth inch arms, pythons on either side of his torso. Nine and seven eighths inch hands, very big hands. The guy is an Adonis. Runs four three three, one four five ten split. You know, the 134 inch broad, 40 and a half inch vert. Those are ridiculous Olympian you know numbers. But on on film. You can see that as well where, yeah, the freak show athleticism shows up. You see him blow by SEC corners. You see him jump through the roof. But he's not a, a polished player. And so that's really you're, you're banking on his best football being ahead of him. You're, bank, you're banking on him uh, developing as a route runner, becoming better uh, at the catch point, more consistent, whether it's in uncontested situations or in contested situations. He was not a, a dominant player at the catch point on a consistent basis. So uh, when you're looking at DK Metcalf, the highs you're really excited about, mm-hmm. but you have to beware of the low side as well. You know, the other thing is, is he doesn't on film. He doesn't show great awareness. Mm. I mean, I, I yeah. saw situations where he's running out of bounds in routes, mm. and then there's the neck issue. 
which sure. may turn out to be nothing. Mm-hmm. It may turn out, but and that's still to be evaluated and decided upon by medical staffs around the league. So now, who were the the players that you that you would say like, okay, they were by by far better receivers today before because we're going to talk about some of the athletic workouts right. as well. Number one, his teammate AJ Brown was terrific okay. catching the ball. Excellent routes, soft hands, snatched everything out of the air. I mean, really looked good as a receiver. I thought he also tested better than expected. Yeah, he ran four four nine in the forty. Uh, thirty six and a half inch vert is is pretty good for a guy his size as well. So who who would you grade higher than of the two? If you're saying that Brown's it depend, a more refined it depend, receiver, okay, right. <clears throat> It, de- it depends on what you want. If, if you want a guy, if you're in a timing offense, uh, if you're in an offense that runs a lot of underneath routes, I'm going with A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is still going to be my number one rated receiver on my board until I get at least final notification or hear something on D.K. Metcalf's knee, uh, uh, neck. neck. Okay. Now, if you want a vertical game, obviously it's going to be D.K. Metcalf. But you better have a real good receiver coach. Because this guy needs a lot of work as a receiver. Okay. All right. Anybody else uh, that was in the position work? Thought Hakeem Butler again caught the ball very well today uh, during drills. Tested better than expected. No uh, question. Really, um, I, I thought he really did a good good overall job. I think when you look at Hakeem Butler, you're, you're talking about the you know similar frame as DK Metcalf. I mean, six five, two twenty seven. 35 and a quarter inch arms, huge hands. He goes out at, at that weight and he runs 448, which right. is a fine number for a guy who's 230, 230 pounds, and he jumps through the gym. So I, I didn't see the position workouts. So I'm yeah. glad to hear that he caught the And ball he's ball. a much better receiver. He's not the same athlete, but he's a better receiver. And mm. people have to differentiate the two. Paris Campbell also caught the ball very well. And did great on the Had a the great workout. Girls. Now, you know, needs some work on his route running. Hopefully now Paris Campbell is turning from an athlete into a football player because that was the whole thing with Paris Campbell. Was he was a great athlete. He was an okay football player, which is basically what we're saying about D.K. Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah. Paris Campbell, who is a senior, he's got a, you know, he's got a decent body of work. Um, hopefully he's turning the corner. Can we also, one thing, uh, sorry, Tony, the one thing we haven't seen yet for any of these receivers, we haven't seen any of the shuttle drill times yet. Um, none, of, none of those have been posted on NFL.com as of this recording. It's a little after 6 o'clock on Saturday. So, you know, we'll that'll impact some, guys, some of the, That'll impact some players. Especially those taller, bigger guys no like question. Metcalf, like Butler, like Dekeel Harry. Those yep. are the guys we've been waiting to see the shuttle numbers Yep. more specifically on. Terry Godwin, as expected, you know, didn't run the blazing 40 time. But really when it came time for position drills, he stood out. Great routes. I mean, hands that were like vacuums. Soft hands. You can hear the. You could hear the pop when he was catching the ball. Uh, basically, just an extension of what we saw during Shrine Game practices. I was very impressed by Godwin. Uh, a couple of people were in my mentions saying that Tyree Brady had a good position. Yeah, he workout. did. Uh, he, he didn't run though, Brady. Right? No, he, I'm not it, sure. Uh, I don't. think Yeah. He did. No, Brady. You could uh, made a lot of acrobatic uh, type receptions. Uh, he also looked good. I want to also say Emmanuel Butler okay. caught the ball well. He didn't run. Uh, I, didn't, I, I haven't watched him. He's the, he's the uh, I watched Northern him two Arizona years ago, kid, right. right? What happened was two years ago, I watched him in 2016, very high on him, had a shoulder injury, I believe it was, 2017. I've not watched this year's film, so okay. you've got to watch 2016. Uh, I, 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 I mean, 
that was him. I, I thought uh, he caught the ball very well. Um, now, one of the best scenes on social media today was uh, Notre Dame, the players of, of the current team were watching Miles Boykin you know, have a blazing 40 time, and they were all cheering for him. Everyone thought, of course, it was uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford. For whatever reason, there was confusion about them. People were posting, like, Arcega-Whiteside just jumped 40 inches. It's like, no, it was Miles Boykin from Notre Dame. Who who also is a big, you know, people will say this about Arcega-Whiteside. I mean, Boykin is 6'4", 220, long arms, and he had the great test scores. I mean, how did he look in the workout? He was solid. He, he caught the ball very well. See, you know, as I say constantly during interviews, the combine is about expectations. You beat expectations, your stock is going to rise. You fall of short of expectations, your stock is going to fall. Miles Boykin came here. Did you have you watched him on film? I haven't watched. Have you watched him on film? He watched. looks like a slow, stiff, big-bodied possession receiver. Okay. Goes out today, runs in the low four fours. Saw the vertical jump forty-three point five inches, eleven eight in the broad. Caught the ball well. Ran better than expected routes. Were they great routes? No, but you got more than you expected from him. So, you know, you know he's got the physical skills. Now it's just coaching him to play to a four-four-two, coaching him to run those routes. Or, uh, or just why didn't he play to that level? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the, and that's the question that the teams have to figure out. That's Only 77 career catches for Miles Boyd. Yeah. Uh, a player who we were and hoping. he was a junior as well. So. A player we were hoping to see at the senior ball was not there due to injury, Manny Hall. From Missouri, finally got to showcase his wares. Ran well, caught the deep ball well, as you would expect it. I thought he ran better than – I I like Emmanuel Hall. I like him a lot. lot. Yeah, I do. Uh, And I think he's going to be – I think he's good third-round value. Uh, I thought he had a solid day. And then Ohio State, we talked about Paris Campbell already. We did get to see Terry McLaurin at the Senior Bowl. You know, I thought he shine was very impressive there, and then yeah. put out put out a good workout today. I don't know how he performed in the position drills, but at least from the timing and testing portion, I mean, four three very, five. I, yeah, I did impressive. not expect four three five based off Terry McLaurin's film. I did. Yeah, I reported yesterday he was running in the high four twos laser time. Uh, I'm, just, I'm saying off the like watching right. on film. Well, I didn't, you I wouldn't didn't expect, expect a four four two for Miles Boykin no, either. I, well, so well, I haven't you know, seen Boykin yet. now now what happens is this: you have to remember, uh, you know, I got a track background and. What happens with a lot of these guys is they just don't know how to run. Right. They're, you know, we talk about offensive linemen and need to bend your knees and be fundamentally sound. Some of these guys are terrible runners, form-wise. So what happens is, is in, the le- in the weeks leading up to the combine, is it's as much about teaching them how to run and teaching them how to start. They get with the track coaches right. at these And then centers. hoping that you know, they can do that on game day. So that's, that's what happens with a lot of these guys. And the question is, can they do it? That's, that's oh, going to be yeah. the big thing. It's like, okay, now they can run, right. but they're so used to playing one way right. and training. To be and it's also, runners. you know, running 40 yards in a straight line without having to think or run routes exactly. or turn left or right is different. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. There you go. It's Mike Tyson. A couple other receivers I want to touch on here real quick. Uh, your thoughts on Darius Slayton and his workout today? Tested well, did not really stand out. And I and he after he, after he tested, I knew he was going to test well. Yep, sure. Did not really stand out to me in workouts, which is kind of an extension of what I've seen the past two years from him on film. He makes an incredible play downfield, and then you don't see him for the next three or four series, if not next game or two. Mm-hmm. All right, last receiver we want to touch on here from Georgia, Mikol Hardman. Outstanding athlete. Didn't really – had had his moments. 
he may need a position change. He may eventually change the cornerback. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. You know, did not sell me on his receiver skills today. Sold me on being a good athlete. Gotcha. All right, so let's transition uh, to the quarterbacks. Uh, We kind of touched on Haskins already. Anything else, Tony, that you want to add from his workout, or is it just the fact that, you know, he took the risk of putting himself out there but didn't really close the door on maybe – determining whether or not that he should be the first quarterback taken. He definitely didn't do that. He had a good passing workout. Mm-hmm. He was not flawless. Yeah. And I've been here to see some guys who were absolutely flawless. A lot of those guys never panned out the next up, but they were flawless. The yeah. time was there. It seemed to me he started off really good with those outs, but then it seemed to me he, he was hesitant. He wasn't getting rid of He was accurate. He wasn't overshooting anybody, he didn't, but he was late with a lot of his throws, I think because he was hesitant releasing the ball. He was good on some of the outs. He was he was uh, Dwayne Haskins uh, uh, with the deep throws. He'd throw some beautiful deep throws, and then the guys would be adjusting backward to catch the ball. But I, I think from everything from uh, 15 yards in, he was accurate, but there was hesitation in his game, which you have to expect in this sort of setting. Yeah. But you have, if you can overcome it, that is really a major step, a, a major feather you in your cap if you would be. Yeah. Uh, the other quarterback uh, you wanted to bring up, Tony, he was the practice player of the week, if I'm correct, down in Mobile, yep. Alabama, for the senior ball among the quarterbacks, and that's Jared Stidham. I, he, I thought he was tremendous today. I mean, he came as close to having a flawless throwing workout as wow. uh, as you could see. He was dropping dimes down 40 yards down the field. The receivers weren't, have, weren't having to adjust uh, to make the reception. He was hitting guys as they as they were leaving their routes on the outs. Uh, he was terrific. He was abs- I mean, he would. This is the Jarrett Stidham that I expected to see during the 2018 season, but never saw. Saw it at the Senior Bowl. Absolutely took it to another level here at the at uh, the Combine. I thought hands down, he was the best quarterback of so the day. Is is there any chance? that i don't know if if you're hearing anything of how he's done in interviews whether it was at the senior bowl here at the combine but maybe is he working himself potentially into that discussion to be the number three quarterback i mean you figure Kyler murray Dwayne haskins are going to be one and two in some order to still have any chance daniel jones i was not impressed with daniel jones today and that's what i'm saying is is he is also career was awful today okay was not good at all today I still think that people are just enamored with Drew Locke with his arm strength. I, and I forgot to mention Drew Locke. Yeah, I, 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 had, I had did a uh, on my own podcast, the draft analyst. I had mentioned that people continue to think Drew Locke is going to be overdrafted because of his arm strength, and they're comparing it to uh, Patrick Mahomes. And when you have that sort of arm strength, you can start to put plays in the playbook that your ordinary quarterback cannot make. So, I, do I think? I think there's no way. I think Stidham could eventually be two or three years down the road, four years down the road, be the third, if not the second best quarterback that so comes maybe, out of this so draft. Maybe, maybe he's the fourth quarterback drafted then. So I, for, I forgot to I, I think, lock yeah, into I, it. But I, I, Daniel Jones is the one guy who I was wondering, is he I, maybe have a chance to surpass here? After today, I would say yes. Okay. I, but I think Daniel Jones is going to uh, interview very well. He's going to do well on the whiteboard. Um, but it would shock because I, I think Stidham, Stidham would be the same way. That's getting Tony fired up here. That's, that's the goal by the end of this segment. Oh, boy. Is they have Tony full on tilt. Uh, tight end position, we got got to start with the Iowa tight ends. I mean, they had all the hype and attention coming in here and uh, did not disappoint whatsoever, neither one of the two. Well, I mean, the word was that Noah Fant was going to test through the roof, and he did. And he did. Uh, 
you know, a half inch shy of the 40-inch vertical, ran in the low four, four fives at 249 pounds, caught the ball well. I'm looking at his three-cone time, 6.81. It's by far the fastest of uh, the tight ends here. Um, I thought Hawkinson did well. You know, Hawkinson's a guy who just plays fast. You know, he's very quick off the line, and we talk about, uh, we've talked about this multiple times. You know, that 10-time counts, and, and he's got it. So I thought Hawkinson did relatively well. I thought um, the kid from uh, San Jose State, Josh Oliver, mm-hmm. again. Oh, man, he had one of the, the best plays of the day. Go back to Miles Boykin, yeah. you know. Josh Oliver was a guy who many people thought was going to run in the four rates. I had been hearing second day since the Senior Bowl. Absolutely solidified himself as, as a second day selection. He's with a his, uh, he's sorry, Tony. He's a top five tight end for me. He was my number one tight end going into the Senior Bowl. I hadn't watched any. I haven't watched Hawkinson and Sternberger and Smith and Knox at that point. But uh, to me, like Oliver, I look at Oliver as a guy, uh, you know, big-bodied kid, uh, plays the ball really well. Right. I thought he had a really good workout today. The test scores were solid, nothing nothing overly special. But uh, this is a big kid with a basketball background. He comes from a family that uh, has grown up at athletics. He's got a cousin who uh, was an MLB pitcher. His dad and his uncle both played football. His uncle played uh, in the NFL. So, I, I, you know, I look at this kid and uh, – I, I see a guy who could be a three-down player in the NFL. I really do. I think he could be a starting tight end. I wanted to see his 40 time, and he answered those questions today. Four, six, three. Because yeah. uh, he was basically a four-rate guy coming into the season. Now it's just he's got to play to that time. All right, so the Iowa tight ends, you know, Fan Hawkinson, one and two. Uh, and Hawkinson, number, still well, number Irv one. Smith did well, too. I mean, Irv Smith ran well, the floor. That's, that's what I was going to bring up okay. here. So after those two. Sternberger, Texas A&M, and Irv Smith from Alabama. Your thoughts on their workouts, and did either one separate themselves here in Indianapolis? Well, I think Irv Smith probably solidified himself as a uh, as a first-rounder. I'm looking at this three-cone time, which is a little disappointing. The, the Vert's also quasi, but he's still a good pass catcher. He plays he plays big football. Sternberger was okay. I mean, I, I had heard during the senior ball, Somebody had uh, a trust set told me that they would take Dawson Knox of Mississippi before they took Sternberger because they think Dawson Knox is a better athlete and will be a better tight end two or three years down the line. Now, Knox did not run today, mm-hmm. but he participated in position drills, and he was terrific. I thought he was great. Yeah, he, he was, was uh, terrific. He was, I thought he was one of the better uh one of the better players of the tight end. Because the, the tight end workout was the only workout that I watched all the way through. Um, you know, I thought that, to me, uh, Knox was one of those guys. He had a couple drops, but overall he ran pretty good routes, sharp in and out of breaks. He's definitely – you could see the athleticism. You could see the movement skills with that kid. You, to me, I think you've got Hawkinson at the top, and I think that you look at guys like Sternberger and Smith and Knox, and to me, those three are so tightly together uh, in that in that same grouping. Um, it's interesting to to just kind of see those guys kind of go back and forth. Any right. concerns with Smith about his size? He's very small. Right. Well, well, he he's a little bit shorter, six two and a half, two hundred forty two. No, I mean because they still use move tight ends. You just put him in motion. Another guy who really helped himself was Foster Moreau of he's, LSU. No question. I mean, because he's got good size. You think, well, he's a blocking tight end, runs in the four six six area, thirty six and a half vertical jump, seven one six three cone, which is one of the better three cones from the tight end class. So again, it's maybe just the way that LSU used him, because LSU is known for having 
good receivers, producing good college receivers who turn out to be great pro receivers. So I think Moreau helped himself, as did Drew Sample. Because, again, 6'4 and a half, 255 pounds, you figure he's just a blocking tight end. He's going to run the 4-H runs of 4 7 two. Yep. Um, and, again, I, I had reported the other night on my own podcast that they expect 15 tight ends to be selected in the first 125 picks. Wow. wow. So that means I by mean, that's, the— That's crazy. That's like by the 20th pick of round four. The average is 15 per year over the last well, decade. Well, uh, let, let's let's go. Uh, let, let's stay with this, and, I'll, and then I'll go back to a couple yeah. things. Um, and I had nine that were fourth round or better. Okay. I thought sample, and uh, not sample. Uh, yeah, sample, and uh, See, I Oliver. Like the, I like sample at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I thought sample and an Oliver would be 10 and 11. I gotta say, uh, Moreau is now 12. So now I got 12. Now, when you say it's crazy, again, go back to to my the draft analyst podcast. In November, I had reported that I was hearing back in November that the tight ends were going to be overdrafted mm-hmm. because there was such a need at the position that you know tight ends that should go in the in the third round were going to be taken in the second round, fifth, sixth round guys were going to be taken in the fourth round. So this all comes together. Let's take it one step further. I mean, you're hearing about Nick Boyle. Yep, free agent. He's going to make mega box. Is he? That's yeah. They're saying he is. He is going to make mega box. He's got as many touchdowns in the NFL as you do. But <laughs> well, but he's a great blocker. So, so I love. I mean, I love right, Nick Boyle. Right. But, yeah. I mean, in terms of guys that get paid, like. But he's but not the, the my point is this: is I mean, you're seeing how teams are putting such importance on the position. So which position then is suffering in this year's draft class? Because if we we keep hearing about the defensive lineman. And how strong the D-line class right. is. The offensive line, maybe there's not that rock-solid, you know, bona fide top five selection per right. se. But, you know, we saw a couple of guys who performed well. It should be a good, pretty good depth Well, let's wise. go back to the receiver class. We're, talk, we're gushing over Eric uh, D.K. Metcalf. We're talking about Brown. But, uh, I mean, some of these guys, uh, I, I thought Nikhil Harry also helped himself today. Travis Fulgham, four five eight. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey, four seven five. Yeah. Uh, the kid from North Carolina State, uh, uh, Kelvin Harmon. Kelvin Harmon over four six. You know those guys are going to drop. Yeah, they're going to drop significantly. I mean, uh, Jacoby Myers over four six. Nyquan Murray, one hundred ninety one pounds over four six. Yeah. He's not getting drafted. Uh, you know, so uh, so it's the rece- So basically, the tight ends are making up for. I never thought it was a strong receiver class to begin with. I think even less of it now. Yeah. We're going to talk about the highlights, but, yeah. You know, course. overall, I guess you may even throw in the running backs too, because the running. Yeah, back I agree. Class. So it's probably exactly. those are the two positions that are being dropped. Uh, what do you think of? Uh, and we got to still wait to see what happens with the cornerbacks. I mean, because the cornerbacks yeah. really is what Fred. It's a it's a three corner. It's a it's three man class. Yep. And it falls off the cliff. And, is it, and is even are those three even? I like, rough? in my opinion, yes. Yeah, but with the greedy Williams, Byron Murphy, and, and Trayvon. Mullen. Well, we'll get we we'll get to those guys in a few minutes here. Uh, a couple other guys I want to touch on. How about Caleb Wilson, UCLA? What do you think of his performance? I mean, he ran well, and it, he's known as a good athlete. I, I just can't get the film out of my head. And See, I, I, haven't, I haven't watched him yet, but I, I thought he had a pretty luck. good work. I thought he had a pretty good workout. He did, yeah, but I, I mean, out. watch him on film and get back to me. All right, what about Dax Raymond? 
He was solid. I mean, he he was one of those guys I think that uh, ran faster uh, than expected. Hang on, what we got here? Uh, I got to get to the tight ends here. Ran faster than it was expected. So I would, Dax Raymond was a four seven two, right? And he was expected to barely break four eight. Um, Fifteen reps on the bench is not a bad number for him. Seven one five in the three cone. I think overall, uh, ten and a quarter inch hands. It's a nice number. Uh, I think overall, Dax Raymond, maybe he's one of those guys that if he could pop off a good pro day workout and get in the high four sixes, maybe he's the guy who can get in the fourth round. I think I have him right now as a fifth, sixth rounder. One guy that didn't test well like at all was Isaac Nauta from Georgia. Uh, Gentry didn't either. Yeah, and I think when you – no, he did not. Um, But I think with Nauta, the one thing that did stand out, and this was something that stood out on film too, the ball never hit the ground. Well, that's him, though. Yeah, that's I him. mean, it, but that's his game, though. Yep. If you watch him at Georgia, okay, he's what two hundred and forty some odd pounds. Yep, he's a he's a nasty blocker, and he gets up in a crowd. He makes a difficult catch. He gets the crud beat out of him, and he holds on to the ball. You know, m- most contested catches that where most people would break in two, this guy's catching the ball and, and coming away with it uh, for an important play. All right, so, Tony, we know you've done a lot of work on the defensive players in this draft class. A lot of people excited to uh, see this defensive line group, especially work out tomorrow on the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, is there a certain certain spot you want to begin at here? As right, we get I'll into begin it. whatever you want. Let's go, let's, go with the, let's go with the edge rushers. We'll start with the edge Well, rushers. let's go with the defensive line because that's, yeah. I, I didn't break them up, okay? okay? I'm told that Montez Sweat, is going to blow up testing tomorrow. People tell me it's going to be a J- Jadavian Clowney, Marcus Davenport type wow. of numbers, if not better. Uh, I'm hearing under 4.55 in the 40, even in the low uh, four fives. Um, do we have his bench press number? Oh, one second. I have not seen it yet. Um, sure because I was here. told it was going to be in the 20s, and he's got like 35-inch 21. Cloth. 21, okay. That's, 21, it's in the 20s. I, I was told what I say, 20. And he's got like, uh, his arm length is like 35 inches, isn't it? He came in, let's see here, Montez Sweat. 35, 35 and three quarters, yeah. right. 21 reps at uh, with arms that are almost 36 inches long. You know, you know, He looks the part. I mean, easily looks the part there. Uh, I'm hearing uh, a vert, which could be over 35 inches. Um, and I've heard this from multiple people. This isn't just, you know, a one Montez Sweat supporter yeah. who told me this. I heard this, and it's been basically reiterated or repeated by a number of people. Okay. Rennell Wren. Uh, I'm told he was going to tip the scales at three between 315 and 320, and he came in at 318 pounds. He's going to run under five seconds in the 40. I'm hearing even in the low four nines, which is a, an incredible time for someone that's two pounds shy of 320 pounds. Could touch 10 feet on the broad. Wow. Could jump over 32 inches in the vertical. And the bench press is likely going to be over 30 reps. Hit 30 on the nose. He did? Yep. Okay. Hit 30 exactly. Thank you. So, uh, John Kaminsky. Yeah. I'm hearing John Franklin type of numbers. Remember, John Franklin lit it up last year, really helped himself. Under 4.75 in the 40, most importantly with a 10 split in the low 1.6s. 
That would be impressive. So that's two eighty six or whatever he came in at. Yeah, but he's expected to do that. But that's that's what I'm hearing from the uh, defensive linemen. So all all senior bowl guys too. Yeah, so it's intriguing. So linebackers, Sutton Smith. I hear his forty time is going to be okay, but I'm told watch out for the shuttle times and the three cone times. I'm hearing the three cone time could be seven point one or better. And the very low fours uh, in the uh, short shuttle. Uh, been working out with Brian Cox, who's been raving about him. Brian Cox is uh, is ecstatic about this kid about uh, his first step off the snap. So watch his ten time as well. Okay. Gary Johnson of Texas. I'm told it's about seventy five percent that he gets under four point five seconds. Well, in the forty, that would be that would be outstanding. Ty Summers of TCU. Okay. Expecting low four fives in the 40. Okay. Do you see him as an off ball linebacker or as a DN? Because he was used as a DN late Who, uh, Ty Summers? Some of the year, yeah. No, uh, definitely a uh, guy in space. That's awesome. Because when you too. also watch the film, he gets 25, 30 yard dro- uh, drops on uh, uh, depth on his pass drops. Yep. Okay. Now, if there's a guy who's going to be trending tomorrow, because of his incredible workouts, the way DK Metcalf is today. Okay. Who do you think it's going to be, Fran? Uh, if I had to guess, I would say uh, if up from the linebacker position. Correct. I mean, my workout warrior was Voshan Joseph, but I'm going to say Devin White is the guy you're talking about. No. Is it Devin Bush? No. Is it Mac Wilson? Justin Hollins of Oregon. Oh, okay. Now. I reported from the Shrine game that when he was in high school, he ran like 10.56 in the 100 meters. He's obviously about 40 pounds heavier. A week ago, he timed 4.41 laser time in the 40. So we could see Justin Hollins. What, what did he weigh in at? Bring it up here. Let's see. Justin Hollins. He was 245 at East-West. Which is light for a pass rusher. So it depends on how you view him. If you think he's a he was two forty eight. He was two. You came in at two forty eight. Did twenty five reps on the bench. Okay. He could actually run the mid four fours tomorrow. All right. Well, that would be that would be something. And a broad jump over ten feet, or at or near ten feet, at or over ten feet. Okay, that's a pretty good number. Yep. So at or over ten feet. Yes. Okay. Let's make sure we got that clear. So thank you. So don't want to be misquoted. Those would be impressive numbers. That's that's a good look. A little preview to tomorrow. We love it. So that so it's gonna be great. So we've got Tony's preview of how the front seven should perform tomorrow, and then we'll be able to stack up the numbers and uh, and see how all the the players' workouts turned out. So that's gonna do it for draft buzz. Now we're gonna transition into six players who Fran and I are most excited to see tomorrow. Now it's time for pick six. What did we come at time-wise there for that first segment? Uh, about 35 minutes. 35 minutes. Uh, are you going to warn me the, the battery light's going to be? So far, so good. So far, so good. I just want to make sure well, we, we gotta, don't we get a flow We better keep rolling because we still got a podcast to do tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Six players we're most excited to see tomorrow. Uh, I'll let you kick things off here. I'll be a, I'll be right. a kind I'll gentleman. Go, I'll go with the, one of the, the, uh, the player that I guessed first for Tony uh, in the, the last segment. That was Voshan Joseph, okay. my workout warrior at linebacker uh, for the Florida Gators. 
probably one of the best athletes I've studied at the linebacker spot really in the last couple of years. Just a, a ridiculous mover. He's explosive. He's really smooth laterally, great change of direction. Uh, I would expect Voshan Joseph to, if as long as the film carries over to the turf tomorrow, I would expect him to be one of the top athletic testers of the position. I'm going to look at one of the underclassmen. I'll stick at linebacker, go with Mac Wilson of Alabama, uh, someone who during the interview today, we really didn't get to touch on this in draft buzz. I know we were kind of going a little, little long there, but uh, someone who really struggled with the decision whether or not to come out with the yeah. way his college career ended. Uh, but very youthful, uh, very very engaging. I, I'm just interested to see what he can do to kind of uh, – Devin White's the top linebacker in this class. That's a consensus there. He's going to be a freak show athlete tomorrow. And I think a lot of people are, are waiting to see how does – Mac Wilson compared to Devin Bush in the workouts. Uh, they've been kind of, uh, you know, battling for that number two linebacker spot. So uh, I'm going to go with Mac Wilson as my my first guy here. Beautiful. Well, I, he's a guy that I really, really am intrigued by on film because you see a lot of the traits that you look for. Certainly from an athleticism standpoint, I would expect him to test well tomorrow. Uh, my next guy, I'm going to go to the defensive line, mm-hmm. uh, particularly off the edge, and I'm going to go with Cleveland Farrell Ooh. from Clemson, a guy that I'm excited to see. St- to see test because uh, we talked about this, I believe the, it was the other day when we were saying, you know what, this isn't a guy that I think is going to necessarily light it up. I wouldn't expect him to test as well as, say, you know, Ja'Kai Polite and Brian Burns and some of these other guys. But I think when you look at Cleland Farrell, uh, he's such a good player. If he can just come and have a solid workout, I think that he'll kind of cement himself in the top half of round one. So uh, I'm excited to see him work out. As long as it's not a bad workout, I think you're looking at one of the top defensive players off the board. Uh, You you just mentioned one of my guys here, uh, Brian Burns, edge rusher from Florida State. And it's, you know, he doesn't have the size. Actually, let me check out where he exactly came in. No, he came in at 249. Yes, it's pretty good. Which was much just, heavier than people thought. I remember when he first when he first got there, he was playing as a true freshman, and they had you know, uh, they had Derek Noddy and Demarcus mm-hmm. Christmas and Josh Sweat and uh, you know uh, a bunch of those other guys. And, and I'm watching. Who is this kid? that they bring in in sub-package, and he looks like he's 190 pounds. Yeah. He was actually, like, you know, in the late teens, in the high teens. He was, like, 217, 220. But, man, like, he was really, really impressive. And now to see him at 249, I'm excited to see how he moves. And, that, and that's the key is how does he carry the weight? Because the big thing for when he was considered as someone who was undersized, you're like, all right, he's really got to test off the charts, you know, to make up for the lack of size. But now he's got the size, but will the numbers pan out? Uh, can he hold it up? still continue to hold up well so who's your last guy my last guy i'm gonna go uh kind of with a layup i'm gonna go with ed oliver from houston how do you not I mean, uh, that's, yeah. that's a thing it's... yeah i mean this is a guy that i've been looking forward to see work out now for over a year because we knew over a year ago that he was going to declare for this draft so uh you know i think when you look at ed oliver certainly one of the most impressive athletes regardless of position in this entire class he spoke today i thought he was pretty impressive but he again the big thing was he came in at just under 290 pounds at his weigh-in on friday the arm length is going to be a concern for some people, mm-hmm. but overall, he's still one of the top prospects in this class, and I think he's, to me, he's a lock for the top 15, but you know, some people still kind of worry about where he's going to end up. I, I think when you look at this kid, he is really, really impressive, and he's going to test off the charts uh, tomorrow. I, you know, because my, my last guy, I'm, I'm going to pull a Fran here. My last guy was going to be Montez Sweat, but I think Tony did such a great job of explaining what we expect to see from him on the turf tomorrow. Okay. I'm a, I think I'm going to go Draymond Jones, Ohio State. Um, interior lineman, 
um, has experience as an end as a five technique, but uh, someone who prides himself on, on his pass rush ability, so you expect to see that quickness. Uh, a lot of Eagles fans who have uh, been listening to the podcast have been asking if he's a possible fit there. There have been some mock drafts who have linked him to the Eagles at 25. It'll be intriguing to see, is he – going to still be in that range with a strong enough workout so I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he produces on the field tomorrow so originally I was going to go with Montez Sweat someone who we got to see up close and personal at the senior bowl and again he looks the part uh now the thing is is he going to test in the you know if, if Tony's correct with his reporting and look he's you know one of the best draft insiders in the business uh, I would certainly expect him to uh, post strong, strong numbers tomorrow here in Indianapolis. Yeah, he's he's a player that I've been so intrigued by since he really first got onto into that uh, rotation there at Ohio State a couple of years ago. I've been watching him since his redshirt freshman year, and uh, Jones is really athletic. He's got a high motor. He's a guy I would agree. I'm excited to see him test tomorrow. All right, so in a little bit we're going to have our unofficial visit. I caught up with Jacoby Myers at the Senior Bowl, but first, uh, Fran, our Mr. Relevant, John Ledyard from the Draft Network. What did you guys get into? So we got into mostly defensive linemen. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the guys, honestly, that we've been talking about here in the last uh, segment. I think we, we talked about Draymond Jones. We talked about Montez Sweat. We talked about Cleveland Farrell. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite is a guy I know he's a fan of. But we started things off with some Marquise Brown, a guy we couldn't see work out today. Mm-hmm. But I asked him about uh, the the player that he just had recently mocked to the Eagles at 25th overall. So we start there in that conversation. All right, let's get to the interview now in our Mr. Relevant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Very pleased to be joined by draft. Don't want to say that. Take it from top. Three, two. Pleased to be joined by John Ledyard from draft from draftnetwork.com. John, first one in person. We've done yeah. a few of these over the phone uh, here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. It's awesome to be here. Awesome to be on with you. I love always talking draft with a lot of people, but you're you amongst the Chiefs, uh, so this uh, is this is you, fun. Man. This is a good time. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh it's always fun coming down here, you know, to to Indy and um, I think they do a great job putting on uh, putting on this event and it's cool because you know, th- this is what your this is your third this or fourth. This is my third, yeah. Okay, so like uh you know, it's changed so much over the years even just since I've been going. This is like my 7th, I think, right. and uh, just the access we get to the players, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's obviously it's different than the Senior right. Bowl. It's different than the Shrine Game um, in terms of what we're going to be able to see. But uh, it is cool being able to talk to a lot of these underclassmen that we haven't been able to see uh, up close. Um, and then obviously once the drills start Friday, uh, it, it it gets really interesting here. But let's talk uh, let's talk some of these prospects. And I, and I want to first hit you up. You released a uh, your most recent mock draft on February 25th, mm-hmm. and you had the Eagles selecting. Uh, Oklahoma wide receiver Marquise Brown. Yeah. So uh, take us through the pick. It's a guy that I'm, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he obviously brings a lot to the table. He weighed in this morning. We're recording this on Thursday morning. Weighed in this morning at 166. Only five receivers drafted in the last decade have come in under 166. Yeah. So that's the, that's the knock, right? Like I don't that, think any that, of them were very good. So. Yeah. The <laughs> literally, like it's. Uh, I'm going to pull up the list here. It's yeah. It's not a. It's not a great list. But yeah. I mean, when you look at him, obviously you you think that he's an outlier. Like I mean, he's sure. he's to me like he's a Deshaun Jackson quality because none of these other guys were being talked about as being taken in the sure. top in the top twenty top thirty of the draft. Yeah, 
I think the biggest thing, you know, obviously I did that mock before the weigh-ins. Uh, sure, you know, of course. And I know the injury is a concern. I think we'll probably hear more this week about how big of a concern it is. It is difficult for me to justify taking a 166-pound receiver with a significant foot injury in the first round in a good wide receiver class. Yep. Um, I understand from a team perspective that's something they have to consider. From a pure talent perspective, I think Brown obviously offers trump cards as strengths, you know, the ability to make plays vertically down the field, and with the ball in his hands. He's elusive, sure. too. Some guys are just one-trick ponies. You've seen the Eagles really take on some of those guys in the past, you know, even the Shelton Gibson type. Like, sure. there was a vertical threat component to him, but very little else to his game. You know, there wasn't much well-roundedness. So um, I think that um, – what I like about Brown is that it's kind of, you know, you heard Doug Peterson talk yesterday, like the evolution of offense in general in the NFL suggests there's ways that you can scheme vertically yep. without having one true deep threat that sure. wins 1v1 all the time. Uh, and I think that that's a good point. Still, I think Philly would value that component of their offense. Um, I think having a player that can stretch the field and be a little bit more dynamic so you wouldn't be necessarily getting yourself into one-trick pony situations like Torrey Smith, like yep. Sean Gibson, like Matt Collins, like um, uh, even Mike Wallace, you know, in the so I think those guys are kind of players that I point to and say they just were vertical threats, really. Brown offers a little bit more for your offense in terms of what he can do. I think he's a good route runner. That helps. The issues with Brown that I have are obviously the size shows up, the, the catch radius yep. shows up, he drops the ball at times. There are instances in which he has issues tracking the football, too, uh, and letting it go through his hands, and hand-eye coordination kind of it becomes a concern at times. Really, the strength to win in any type of contested situation. Yep. We saw it even – he was winning against Texas. He was getting open against Texas at the end of the season uh, when they met, but yep. he couldn't finish consistently on the ball. Like, you know, Boyd was late in coverage, slow, but he, he was getting there, and he was raking through his hands, and Brown couldn't finish in some of those situations. So there's concerns with him on tape, too, that I think would make me hesitant to take him round one. It sounds like, I mean, Daniel Jeremiah said the other day, Metcalf and Brown are the two lock receivers for the first round. I, I, watching Brown on film, I don't see a scenario, unless the foot is worse than people think yeah. we find that out, we'll find that out in coming weeks, then that he doesn't go round one. Right. Like, to me, like, and that's the difference. Like, I, I've got the numbers up now of these guys that came in this small. The five receivers who came in under 166 were all day three picks. J.J. Nelson, uh, Jalen Saunders, AAF star, uh, Tevin Reese. Terrence Austin and Jakeem Grant. Now, Jakeem Grant's turned into a nice role player. Yeah. Trendon Holiday came in at 166 as well. Um, but after that, I mean, it's a, it's guys that went on day three. Some of them have stuck. And have, I mean, Travis Benjamin uh, has been in the league for a long time now. He came in at 172. Um, you know, the, the, the lightest guy in the last 10 years that got drafted in the first round was Tavon Austin, 174. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson outside of right. this time frame. But, um, you know, I, I, it is interesting. And, I, and I, clearly the biggest knock on Marquis. Right, Park, right. Yeah. And so, But I still think there will be a lot of interest. And you're right, the foot injury will determine everything. Yep. Um, maybe also because of the foot injury, he is lighter because of that. How, knows how much he's that's been able point. to you know, be on his feet. And so um, that's something to consider. And teams will, I'm sure, ask him about and talk about with Oklahoma people and so there'll be a lot to consider with him. But in terms of a fit for Philadelphia, absolutely. I mean, I think the fit sure. makes a ton of sense, you know, whether it's just the fact that they prefer a vertical threat or they need somebody really in the offense who can be kind of dynamic with the ball in his hands. The long-term future with Nelson Aguilar is still kind of uncertain in terms of, like, what that's gonna, what's going to come of that. It sounds like from 
from everything yesterday. They really like him, yep. um, and uh, they value what he brings to the team. So we'll see what happens there. But that's not really what Jeffrey does as a receiver. And, you know, I think some of the other guys are talented. But, it's again, I think having somebody like Brown adds an explosive element to their offense that they were looking to add last year. You know, Golden Tate, they added uh, somebody who could be different than Marquise Brown for sure. But at the same time, they were looking for another weapon. And so I think that is going to be a priority for Philadelphia, looking for another weapon. People will say uh, they need running backs and they need other things. I think, you know, for sure, I understand those considerations. But, like, if you look at what the Eagles value, then you're taking a realistic, a realistic approach to it. I think adding a player like that on day one or two of the draft is going to be a priority for them. All right, well, let's get to the position that I know you have the most juice for, and that's the the defensive line. We'll go edge rush and defensive tackles. Obviously the strength of this draft uh, outside of the tight end position, and I think when you look at that, it's also a a position where a lot of Eagles fans are very intrigued by because of the needs along the defensive line. Mm So I'm going to just hit you up on a, on a few names here, guys that you know have been talked about going in that Eagles range. You know, and we'll say late teens to mid twenties, even late first round, later early second round. Let's start with Jakai Polite from Florida, a guy that uh, in the conference that you cover for the Draft Network uh, from the SEC. Give us your thoughts overall on Jakai Polite and how he makes that transition to the NFL. Yeah, I think Jakai Polite is such a fun player because there is. Well, first, there's this break so for some reason for people between Josh Allen and Brian Burns and Ja'Kai Polite and Cleveland Farrell and, and some others maybe even. And I don't know that that shows up on tape. Like, I would agree with you. Yeah, I kind of think it's like they're all going to the same category. I'm really interested to see how they test. Yep. I think in some ways Ja'Kai Polite is the best pass rusher of the group. Like mm-hmm. I think to some people that's kind of crazy to say, but I, I really feel like when you watch them, explosiveness is there with him that I, I see it with the other guys, but not to the degree that it is with Polite. He knows how to use his body and twist and turn at the top of the arc. He also has legitimate pass rush moves. Like yep. He has hands. He has, he occasionally even flash inside counters. And he's fast enough to sell to get back inside of tackles. Sure. A lot of guys can't play it that quick, you know what I mean, in terms sure. of the transition from edge speed rush to inside counter. And he does it really rapidly. So that's really intriguing to me. The questions with Ja'Kai Polite, there are whispers that we may hear more about this week that he isn't the greatest teammate slash player to, you know, most coachable player at Florida. We'll see kind of what comes of that. I certainly have only heard whispers of it. So their NFL teams may sit down with them and understand that there was a lot less to that. He didn't do anything really before this past season, even this past season for most of the year, he was a part-time player. He has issues against the run. I don't think they're as egregious as what people talk about. I think he's actually pretty physical. And here's the crazy thing. He plays incredibly hard on tape. Mm. So I take the whispers with a little bit of caution at this point because everything my eyes see tell me here's a high effort player who's physical and doesn't back down from anyone and doesn't quit on reps we saw him chase guys down 40 yards down the field so I kind of reserve judgment I take it into consideration I understand that it's there but I reserve judgment really until I get to talk with the player and hear more you know from sources after they talk with him and it's not just so much hearsay but I think he's super talented and would fit Philly so this is before testing I'm going to ask you on all these guys give me a, a floor and a ceiling, not necessarily the specific pick, but general range for Ja'Kai okay. Polite uh, in your mind. I would say 12 is probably the top, but I think okay. I would feel more confident in him going somewhere from Tennessee where they 18 or 18. I yeah, think. I'd have to I go think. and look, yep. Yeah, 18 to – I mean, it wouldn't – shock me if he fell into the early second yeah, round I would agree with that. something like that yep. yeah early second round i think that was that's probably where i'd i'd see his range all right let's go uh with the guy that i the people look cleveland Farrell. i love cleveland farrell on film 
the question, I think, will be how does he test this yeah. week? I think that's going to be huge for him. I, I actually said on a podcast earlier this week that I feel like he's got the most to gain of any pass rusher here because if he goes – his film is really, really good right. to the point where – Look, if he posts a good workout, like you're checking, you're checking that off the box, and now you're, you're feeling you're you're pretty good there. Um, but where do you see Cleveland Farrell right now, floor wise, ceiling wise in this draft? Yeah, to me, I think Cleveland Farrell is a really good player on tape. Like you said, clear pass rush plan, uh, knows how to get inside of tackles, which is kind of an underrated trait. Like, yep. doesn't beat his head against the wall trying to run the arc every single play. Um, he is. He is the most explosive player in his first step that I've ever scouted that gains almost no ground with his second and third <laughs> steps. It's a very unique kind of analytical play with him, and I watch him, I'm like, man, he explodes off the ball, and then nothing. Second right. and third steps, nothing. And so, you know, there were so many times I was like, oh, he's going to corner. Like, he, he beat him off the ball. Like, this is it. And the tackle was able to recover just because he does not have great speed after that first step. And so that's a concern to me with him um, is that, I think the primary way that edge rushers win in the NFL is on the outside edge track. I think it is hard to make a living as a first-round guy, you know, a double-digit ex- expectation of double-digit sacks guy by use it by winning through players or inside of players. Yep. It's a great change-up sure. to be able to do both. But primarily to do that as an edge guy, I think that's very difficult to do. There are not many that win primarily in that way, not on the level of what a first-round pick should be anyway. So to me, I am concerned about Farrell's ability to win the edge with speed, not so much his first step, but the speed up the arc and the cornering ability at the top of the arc. I don't think he's very bendy, and there were a lot of favorable angles I felt like he couldn't finish through uh, on tape. Now, he is powerful. He gets back inside, guys. He's very aware as a pass rusher. He is. He's a good run defender. High effort. Yes, high effort, character. You're going to love him in the locker room. He's going to be a good player in the NFL. This is not Shaq Lawson. Of course. He's going to be a good player in the NFL. I love that, yeah. The question is how – yeah, not Shaq Lawson. Got to couch that, yeah. No. <laughs> but how good is he going to be? I think that's the question. Yep. You know, if we're talking about a top 10, 15 pick, he better be a guy that I can count on for 10 to 12 sacks a year. And that's there's just a small group of players that can do that. So he'll help a team – but I don't think it's to the level that maybe that value would suggest. What's the floor in terms of uh, how low he could go? I say high, the high point is Detroit because he's their type, I yep. think. Um, the low point for him could be second round, to be yeah. honest. Similar range. If to he has a bad play. workout, I could see that. Right. I could see him going second round. And maybe I would drop him off Detroit if he has – and I would drop him lower sure. um, to into another team you know, later if, if, if he tested poorly. But I think – Second round is – he won't get past 50, I don't think, but somewhere early second round. Last edge guy I want to ask you about, Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat is a struggle for me, man. I, I was one of the – I felt like at the time in the summer, I felt like I was one of the first people to really get excited about Montez Sweat Yep. Um, and didn't really feel like there was much buzz about him. At this point, Ja'Kai Polite hadn't really emerged. Even Burns hadn't emerged to a degree. Um, uh, who else? Oh, Josh Allen hadn't emerged. You yeah. know? So there was a real shortage of edge guys actually uh, going into the college football season, especially top-tier guys. And I was like, I think Sweat can be one of the better guys based on what we'd seen so far. Um, you know, had him behind Bosa and behind Farrell at that point uh, but I was you know excited about kind of his potential a little bit my big concern was the concern that I have now I just don't see a great edge bender type of player I think he's stiff in the hips yep. uh, and, and really upright in the way that he rushes uh, he's long levered and that's good but I don't think we have enough speed to win back inside primarily so who is Montez Sweat in the NFL? On tape, I see some things that remind me of Jordan Willis, and I get scared. Mm. He has a better pass rush plan than Jordan Willis, so I'm, I'm more confident in him sticking in a top three rotation at defensive end than I would be with Willis, who's kind of 
not really in that role now yep. and falling out of favor. You know, in Cincinnati, uh, both guys play really, really hard. You know, him and Willis, both both high character guys. You're not going to worry about it and any of that. That's kind of type of stuff. I think from everything we've seen from Sweat to this point, um, you know, it, growing up throughout co- through college um, and becoming the player that he is now, I think teams are going to be impressed with who he is now as a person. Um, I, I think that that lack of athleticism is just so important for the reason I talked about with Farrell. It's that it just. I, at the end of the day, I feel like this is a trait that matters for edge rushers, the ability to bend and, and win the edge with speed, and I don't know that he can do that. Also, he had good production, but if you watch tape, several of his sacks came against tight ends coming mm-hmm. across split zone stuff where the quarterback didn't get the ball out on time. I think he had two or three sacks like that last year. Um, so there was some in the, the Auburn game where I think he had three sacks against a, a freshman who had like 26 snaps at right tackle or something like that. So you have to take that context into account with Montez Sweat, I think, at times. Um, When he gets a real favorable angle, he'll finish. And like I said, he plays hard. But I think he has a hard time creating his own angles as a pass rusher and winning 1v1. Where are you at right now on Draymond Jones, the defensive tackle from Ohio State? I want to like him so much because he's my type. I love athletic ta- defensive tackles who yep. can rush the passer. He shows that ability and flashes that really excite me. Like the Oregon State game, I know it's Oregon State, and I wish it was a better opponent, but he just tore him up, man. I mean, he was just so dynamic in that game. And then you watch against some better opponents, and he has flashes, but then he also gets bullied in the run game, and I, I tend not to care as much about that as some others, but his issues are pretty significant at times on tape, too. So uh, there's a lot to consider with him for sure. Uh, but at the same time, I think that he is clearly a good player. Um, I just wonder I wonder how good. Um, yep. And I think that uh, how good can he be? Uh, it sounds like his work ethic and character are going to check out and do really well at mm-hmm. Ohio State. Um, uh, so I think that part will impress teams. Physically and athletically, I think he will dominate this week. And he will be a riser in the eyes of most teams and people because of what he does this week. However... That doesn't mean necessarily that he'll be worth that rise because in my mind we already knew Draymond Jones is really athletic. No Certainly, if he like blows it away and is way you know one of the best athletes we've ever seen, you know I think he's a good athlete. Do I think he's like unbelievable like that? That would surprise me a little bit. But to a degree, we may bump him up for stuff that he's already shown on tape, and I don't want to count it twice with guys. So I will revisit the tape if he blows up testing and see if we can watch a few more games. Uh, right now, I like him in the second round for sure. Okay. Um, I know there's been some first round buzz. It's kind of come and gone. Yep. Really over the last two years with him to be honest um he was better this past season so i'd feel better about that if you had a a team that developed defensive line talent well philadelphia would be one of those teams indy would be one of those teams um the chiefs have done a really good job with developing defensive linemen so there's some teams at the back end of the first round i would feel pretty good about if he landed there he would reach his peak yeah i can't get past my initial like sometimes you know comps like hit you over the head and sheldon richardson like yeah. crushed me. Like, I, I was like, uh, he reminds me so yeah. much of Sheldon Richardson. Last guy I want to hit on real quickly, uh, Notre Dame's Jerry Tillery, defensive tackle. I like Tillery. Yeah. I, you know, people say inconsistent and up and down, and I thought his tape was really good. Like, I, you know, I watched like four or five games, and I was like, this guy, he just impresses me. Like, I, I know there's other stuff to consider with him, effort, and he's had some things, um, you know, some you know, dirty plays, quote unquote, on the field, like that are that have been in his past that are, are considerations, and really just kind of broke out this past season. A lot of his production did come in a couple games, but I thought he was impactful in the other games. Still, you know, ability to beat guys one v one. Yep. Um, I think he has a good first step. I think he's athletic. He can bend. Um, he, I think he's more consistent than Draymond Jones. I don't think he's as good an athlete, mm-hmm. but still a good athlete. So I have him above Jones right now on my board. So my board goes uh, Quinn and Williams, uh, Jeffrey Simmons. 
Ed Oliver, Christian Wilkins, and then it would be Tillery and then Draymond Jones. And those are my top six, like pretty clear break between those guys and everybody else for me. So um, I like him. Uh, I could see a path where he ends up being better than Wilkins and Ed Oliver, in my opinion. I think there's that's po- possible. How much do you want to bank on that with a guy who took right. a while to break out? Sure. I think that's the big question. Teams are going to have to talk to him and see how invested he is in the game, how much he loves it. Um, that's going to be really important because I've heard enough whispers out there that teams really question his love for the game that to be concerned about not only how he'll do in the NFL, but how, whether teams will even be that high on him when the draft rolls around. You can follow John on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. John, appreciate the time as always here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. The unofficial visit. Hello, Eagles fans. Chris McPherson, please be joined by North Carolina State playmaker Jacoby Myers. Now, you, you like that description? Is yeah, that, is that fitting? That was, no, that was perfect right there. For fans who are learning about your game, how would you describe it? Like you said, I wanna, my number one goal is to go out there and make plays. I believe that playmakers got to make plays, and everything I did, I wanted to be the guy that, when it was third and long or third and short, game on the line, that they were looking for me. That I was in your head, you're going to try to take me away, and the coach is going to try to get me the ball. So what's the proudest moment then? If that's your mind to go into each and every game, what's your proudest moment from your time at NC State? Proudest moment, proudest moment. We had some, some great victories as a team, I feel like. Just being through all those wins in the locker room afterwards, I mean, you can't, you can't beat a college team. I mean, going through conditioning with them, just every time I won a game with them, it was one of my proudest moments. So what would you say is the toughest corner you went against? I mean, you can't say, you know, teammates, someone on your own squad. Mm. Who would you say is the one player who gave you the most trouble here? Not saying shut you down completely, Jacoby, but right. gave you the most trouble. Uh, the toughest, well, I went against some great, some great safeties and nickels. Okay. So top two that come to mind first is Cameron Glennon. Erwin James. Erwin James. Yeah. So, any particular reason why? They all over the place. You yeah. know, it's, it's hard to game plan for them because they do so much. Like, Derwin played in the box. He can line up outside. He can return kicks. And Cam Glenn, he, he had sacks against us. He had picks against us. He's, he's done a lot. So, they made a lot of plays against us, and they were fun to go against. Jacoby, when did you think the NFL was a possibility for you? You know, I, I always had a dream, but it became really – I saw it in my future probably last year. Okay. And I realized that I was able to – that was my first full year as a receiver. And I remember all the work I put in, all the benefits that were given to me. I feel like I had a chance. And how tough was that transition? Was that adversity that kind of helped you make you the player you are today? Oh, definitely. Going definitely. through that? I mean, that first year, they, a lot of people don't see the struggles, you know, of the summer, all the times you've been beat. They just yeah. see the victories on a Saturday night. So – I mean, I went through a lot of losses. I struggled a little bit, but I ended up, I had a great coach, a great support system, great teammates, and they just helped me push through every day. Would you give a shout-out to one person or someone in particular who helped you get to this point here? Oh, yeah, my mom. She's, yeah. she's been my rock ever since day one. Yeah. I mean, she, she's done everything for me. She's been my coach. She's been she been your coach? Yeah. Yeah, you, I probably had more fear of her than some of my coaches back in the day. So, you know, she, she's done a lot for me. So she's critical. She, she keeps it real with you. So oh, yeah. after a game, it's not like, oh, yeah. Jacoby, great game. It's like. Exactly. You, yeah, it's, you know what you did wrong when you come over here. So you better be ready to take the criticism. So you're still young in terms of playing the receiver, the receiver mm-hmm. position. How have you filled out your skill set to this point, And where would you like to get better at? Oh, there's so many areas I feel like I could still grow in. Just 
versatility-wise because I play predominantly in the slots, but I know I can play outside. So just getting comfortable being out there, beating press, going up and just making more plays, I feel like it's never – it's so many plays out there on the field to be made. They just need more playmakers to make them. So. Last question, what is the most underrated aspect of playing in the slot, would you say? Being able to create mismatches because you get linebackers, you try to quicker than them. You get little DBs, jump over them. Safety's not really the best cover guys. I mean, it's just being able to create your own mismatch with every, with every opportunity. Jacoby Myers, North Carolina State playmaker extraordinaire. Thank you very much for joining us here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. All right, we had a marathon session of questions in yesterday's draft mailbag. And uh, actually, I was uh, tweeting at the uh, people who sent us nice. questions. And, but one of them actually responded. I, believe, I forget who it is off the top With of my head. With another question? Uh, no. I w- well, it wasn't their question. It was where in the podcast was it? <laughs> What's the time step of it? It's like, I listen to the podcast. We're not going that far. Yeah. Come on. Jeez. Uh, so let's get to your questions here at N Dutton thirteen. Uh, Neil Dutton, Neil Dutton. The podcast. Yes. Uh, do, do the extensions for Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey again? Eagles doing work here in Indianapolis make edge rusher and interior offensive line less of a draft priority in your opinion? You know, I think that it, this goes back to what I think the the plan typically is for Howie Roseman and Joe Douglas, Doug Peterson. They don't want to go into the draft having needs. They want to go into the draft feeling good that they can line up and play a game tomorrow. So uh, I don't think that this really necessarily affects uh, their, their priorities going into the draft. I think that really this is a you know a step to make sure that, that, that the Eagles can play winning football in 2019 and beyond. So uh, I think uh, to me, I don't think, no, that th- this doesn't necessarily say, oh, cross defensive end off the wish list for 25. Oh, cross uh, you know, guard or center off the wish list for you know 25 or for the second round. I, I still think that those positions are certainly uh, a viable option. Definitely, because I think with edge rusher, I'll take edge rusher first. That's You still need to think long term. Uh, you're fine for 2019, but you could even say even 2019, okay, you've got Brandon Graham, uh, you've got Derek Barnett, you've got Chris Long under contract, got Michael Bennett under contract, uh, but what is Josh Wett? That's a big thing that we have to figure out here in 2019. But I still think looking down the road, you need to probably address that position. And uh, with Kelsey, you know, there was the report about that he was considering retirement or was going to retire um, at the end of this season. Uh, that would have left a gaping, gaping hole if he did decide to step away. But he's he's been at the Novacare Complex every single day this off season, and uh, in the interview he did with Dave Spadaro, uh, I think perfectly explained that the love of the game is, is not a question mark. It's just the fact that the injuries are are pile, you know pile up and make it harder and harder to get ready for the upcoming year. And it and it's a year year to year deal where he's just got to kind of take a step back and consider. Is he ready to put himself through the grind uh, for another year? But great news that he's definitely back for 2019. Again, that would have been a huge, huge hole to have to fill because it's not like you can look at this roster and say there's someone who's definitely ready to step in that position. And again, Jason Kelsey's the best center in football. He's been the best center in football the last two seasons. Um, You just don't replace a Jason Kelsey. So I still think, though, you know, left guard, is a position they could certainly look to address. And, you, know, you have Brandon Brooks, but he's coming off the Achilles injury. Uh, 
to your point that you made earlier, Fran, I completely agree. I don't think that either edge rusher or interior line are off the table for the Eagles at 25 just because of these extensions. All right, next question comes from at James underscore Opaleski. Uh, do you move down, I'm guessing move up actually, to get Montez Sweat or wait to see what is available uh, with a couple, couple, a couple, well, clusters, couple yeah. questions. Why don't we start, start with that one? Montez Sweat. Um, Probably. Well, I mean, we'll see what the narrative is on Sweat uh, after yeah. tomorrow. If he tests like Tony thinks he's going to test, uh, people might start talking about him as a lock for the for the top twenty. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know necessarily that you're going to that you would trade up for for Montez Sweat, but um, I guess I guess it's possible. Possible. I mean, if you were to tell me that the Saints were going to move up right. to get Marcus Davenport, use a first uh, a future first round pick. I wouldn't have thought that a year ago, but it certainly could be possible. And the Eagles, look, they have plenty of draft capital this year. If they want to make up to get to uh, get someone, three of the first 57 picks with those two second rounders, you know, certainly, certainly would be in play. Uh, Justice Hill, one of the big winners from a timing and testing standpoint, uh, yesterday here at the running back position, uh, does Philly – enter the mix to pick him up. I mean, I think, you know, you look at Justice Hill, he's a guy that could fit for pretty much anybody because of what he can do with his athleticism, his ability to make the first man miss. He's got outstanding wiggle, that lateral agility uh, to jump cut and and create room for himself to work. Uh, I I like Justice Hill a lot. Um, So, yeah, he certainly could fit here in Philadelphia. I think he could fit with a lot of different teams. And I've said in the past, I know it said it uh, on yesterday's podcast, that any of these running backs really could fit here in Philadelphia because of the way that Doug Peterson and Deuce Staley and Jeff Stoutlin kind of scheme up that run game. I think really when you look at the way that they do that, any running back could find a home here in Philly. Yeah. Um, and one last thought on Montez Sweat in terms of like trading up. I think that the you know if the Eagles were to grade Montez Sweat as like a true blue chip guy, a guy that would be a, a huge difference maker, mm-hmm. then I think that's that's where you look to make that move. If you if let's say he's the you know the 19th player on the board or the 21st player on the board, I don't think that they would make that move. Yeah, I, I agree. It's um, I guess I always go back to um, the Jerry Macklin draft. Right. Uh, exactly. You know, where he was projected to be a top 10. He was projected to go, I remember, to the Raiders. But when they took Darius Hayward Bay, all of a sudden Macklin is slipping. That's where you go up and get a guy like that. Yeah. So I completely agree with that. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how mock drafts have him. It doesn't matter how you and I feel about Montez Sweat. It matters how the Eagles evaluate him. So if the Eagles evaluate him as a, a top ten player for them, and he falls into the into the teens, and then you're saying, oh, we can go move up and get this guy. Yeah. That's where that move happens. That's already ten years ago. The 2009 draft, Macklin McCoy. You're getting up there, see that? Jeez. All right. Next up at Timmy. <laughs> Not me. Youthful energy. That's that's definitely the truth. Yeah, that's, I, I won't, that's I won't exactly deny how that. most would describe me, youthful energy. <laughs> at Timothy Shover on Twitter, how did Andre Dillard look at the combine? Uh, outstanding. Yeah, uh, good in everything that he was asked to do. He was really athletic in uh, position drills yesterday. He did a really good job in all the athletic testing as well. He, he I think, cemented himself as a, as a first-round pick. Certainly. Uh, at Wensylvania with a 1-1 in there on Twitter. Uh, interesting prospect who uh, he thinks maybe could fit with the Eagles if he comes to us in the draft is Miles Sanders. Great workout yesterday. Uh, and that last Penn State running back, uh, you know, he had a fantastic year, Saquon Barkley. So uh, thoughts on Miles Sanders? Uh, first, don't evaluate the helmet. Evaluate the player. 
make sure you know you don't. And this goes the other way too. A lot of people will say, "Oh, you know, never draft a uh, uh, you know." The, it used to be the Florida wide receivers when Steve Spurrier was there. Like, yeah. Oh, never draft a a, a Florida wide receiver. Oh, ne- you know, what, look at what happened with uh, you know with this guy and that guy. Oh, do, know, I, do I have to talk to you Alabama, about air raid quarterbacks? Alabama running backs. Well, that that's different. That's a schematic thing over fair. the course of you know this fair. is this isn't a uh, that's a that's a different kind of issue. But, oh, that's fair. Um, but going back the the other way, you don't just say, oh yeah, you know Penn State running backs. Look at Saquon Barkley. Not that I'm saying that you know Pennsylvania is necessarily saying that completely, but uh, Miles Sanders, I think he's a solid player, and he had a solid workout yesterday. Uh, certainly one of the better workouts here, so I think that that's kind of helped him because you know it's it shines a little bit better, uh, shines a little bit brighter compared to the other workouts from the running back position. But um, no, I I think he's a solid player, and I, I certain yeah he 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 would fit here for sure. All right, last question here comes from at Buttons Bramhall in a draft class that is so rich in defensive talent. If the best player available is a defensive tackle, take him. I don't care how strong the Eagles' defensive line is. Make it stronger. Shout it from the rooftops. I mean, preach. Preach on this one. And to be honest, defensive tackle, to me, is a position that has question marks. Yeah. Uh, You know, you you have Fletcher Cox, okay? Obviously, you know, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, the two best defensive tackles in the game. Okay. Yep. After Fletcher Cox, though, Tim Jernigan, injury plagued 2018 campaign coming off the uh, uh, the off season surgery. Haloti Nada battled injury himself and uh, yep. was only here on a one year deal. Uh, Trayvon Hester was a nice role player. Obviously had the, the huge block for the Eagles to beat the Chicago Bears. But um, there's such a difference when you had a healthy and uh, vibrant Tim Jernigan in 2017 to complement with Fletcher Cox, how much of a better player that made Fletcher Cox. Um, that number two defensive tackle position, I, I think, is certainly a position to watch for. I, I don't – it's not like a situation where, oh, it's an embarrassment of riches. I, I think they need to find a solid answer, a young answer maybe, to complement with Fletcher. I would agree. I, I think that you could certainly, if you were to like stack all the positions and say, all right, what are the, what are, you know, the positions that uh, could most use a, a young player? D tackle would be one of the one of the ones at the top of the list. Yeah, and again, it's not to me. You gotta love. Make sure you love the player. It's not about the position. No question. It's, it's you know there could be you know a consensus of ten great. Defensive linemen, but you're you're going to have them all ranked differently. There's going to be ones that you may love. There's going to be ones that you may not like. It's you got to find the right the one that is right for you and your system and that you're a fan of, and go pound the table for that guy. Don't uh, just sit back and say, "Ah, we'll we'll just get one in the later rounds." Like, you know, certainly that I'm sure comes into the draft grading evaluations to some extent, but uh, you know, it's it's focused on getting the right guy for your system more than anything else. I think this goes to conversation, Fran, we were having at, at dinner last night about the tight ends and last year how the Eagles got the right one there. Yep. You know, with Dallas Goddard, when you had guys like Mike Isicki going, who went ahead of Dallas Goddard. Um, who who was the tight end who went, uh, was it uh, Dalton Schultz? Did he go? Uh, he went a little bit. He went like fourth round, I fourth think. Fourth round. Yep. Who was, wasn't there one that went shortly after Dallas Goddard. Well, Hayden Hurst went in the first round. He went in the first round. But the the main thing is there were, there were some quality tight ends who came out last year, but the Eagles made – even though they have Zach Ertz, 
went out and used their top pick on the on the player in Dallas Goddard and you know it's a phenomenal one-two punch that they have at that position and going into this year's draft where you know there are some tempting options who would be there probably at number 25 for the Eagles they don't have to worry about that that they can get uh they can address other key positions <laughs> can I just, one of the funniest tweets Chris Harris from the from the Broncos said wait time out they just showed DK Metcalf and Julio Jones side by side on the simulcam what are they feeding these kids <laughs> The, I mean, the raw. The thing you got to remember, though, about uh, about Julio Jones oh, was that Julio Jones ran his with a broken foot. Remember, he had the broken. He was oh, I he had a broken, that. He had yeah. a broken bone in his foot. But DK just Metcalf. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be so so much fun. I'm sitting here watching the replays from the drill because I again haven't watched the positional workouts. So I'm just watching the gauntlet drill. To me, is the best drill here. Period. End um, of day. What's the? Uh, I'm intrigued as to getting emotional. Looks like. Looks like it. Yeah, and we intrigued us to what uh, sparked that. It's amazing to me, like how you know, going over the last few years, this isn't just this year's class. Um, how quickly at the workouts the guys go to their phones, like they'll like it's it's a go great to the, go to the bench and go they're and carrying it with them the whole time. It's silly. It's crazy. You know, and it's uh, you know when I had a chance to watch the workouts with you uh, on Friday, it's like as soon as they're done the workouts, they're all like you know taking a picture, which is great. I mean, it's it's a once in a lifetime experience. Oh, yeah, mean, right. Yeah, you know, you definitely have to soak it all in, and you know, it is a stressful couple of days. You're being pulled out in so many different directions. It's, uh, but it's it's one of the big milestones of this draft process, and it really you know kicked things into high gear because you know, all the teams, all the coaches have obviously yep. got are now involved in the process, you know, free agencies right around the corner. It, it's certainly an exciting time. So no question. Uh, before we sign off here, uh, Fran, I got to get on you again, man. You got to say hydrate, brother. Not, dude, I, didn't, I didn't touch this I, water yet. No. Every, you know. I, I didn't touch this water. Like noontime. All right. So, you know, we go out to breakfast. Uh, I've got, I've got. I a, did have another water at the workout though. I bought, I, right. I grabbed water on the way to the workout. All right. All right. I'll give you that. But, um, you know, we handle the uh, the Kelsey extension news. So it was right around probably like you know just before noon. I'm heading over to uh, to Radio Row, the media center, where we're recording this, and I make sure you know gotta get Fran is a liter of water because I know he's probably not going to drink anything all day, and <laughs> and literally just just cracked it open. So yeah, B Doc would not be happy with you. No, he would not. Not whatsoever. So that's going to do it for this Saturday evening edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast. Special thanks again to Tony Pauline, draftanalyst.com, at Tony Pauline on Twitter. Apparently he has a podcast over on draftanalyst.com if you haven't uh, heard already. So uh, he'll be back with us tomorrow to recap the front seven defensive workouts. Exciting times here, and we'll also get to hear from the defensive backs. So for Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. Have a great night, as we will be back tomorrow. Don't forget also, live stream we're taking your questions at around, uh, let's say, 1.30 p.m. on Sunday. So until then, have a great night, everyone.